really interesting few episodes for sure. We had watched episodes six through nine of the first season of Bad Batch. And I nicknamed this arc the Rex arc. <laughs> of course you did. Essentially, yeah. It is like the episode, bef- the first episode is like leading up to Rex. Obviously, you have the Rex episode and the aftermath of the whole thing with Rex, essentially. <laughs> uh, everything connects Rex. Maybe episode nine, not so much, but eh, I'll toss it in there. <laughs> Rex is the best. Uh, we we also get a lot of infighting in this arc, which I always like, whether it's in the with the Kaminoans or the Kaminoans and the Empire or the the Bad Badge itself. It's very there was uh, you know that was kind of a theme running throughout those episodes. Yeah. Obviously, probably not uh, planned that way, but still interesting. I wonder what they're going to do like with the infighting within the Bad Batch now that their inheritor chips are out. Yeah, maybe they are going to uh to like bonk Crosshair on the head and then just like remove his or something. Maybe. I But that kinda, would be way th- too easy. Yeah, I think that's going to be too easy honestly. Um I like that it didn't happen in that episode and now I wonder how Crosshair is going to move, go moving forward now that he seems seriously injured. Yeah. But that's something to talk about later, obviously. Um, I, and really, I think at this point, I'm really wanting more from the other members of the Bad Patch on, other than Hunter and obviously Omega. I really want more from their characters. I want more diversity and background and more depth to them. I mean, for the first the first few episodes that we saw them in Clone Wars and the first few episodes of the season, I was kind of giving them a pass in terms of I, it's okay. They've done enough interesting things with them. But I'm getting to the point where I'm thinking, okay, now we need to bring in the depth here. Like, it's getting too late or it's it's taking too long and I'm worried that they are going to forget to really build these characters out fully in a way that we really deserve in terms of these characters' developments. Yeah, absolutely. And But I, uh, it's funny, I had kind of a, <clears throat> a slightly different feeling this time that we had the f- the first setup episodes and this time I feel like they, they've kind of settled in. Because this time is the, f- uh, is the first that we have a kind of an arc. Oh, good point. There is actually like a narrative back and forth or narrative structure to these episodes exactly and i i see what you mean in terms of them selling in and i think that's partially why i have this not frustration but something is left missing for me and i think it's because they've settled in because in Mm -hmm. the first few episodes they were like leading up to stuff and it's like in those moments you want to build out some characters a little bit more in those expository moments but now that they've gotten into the meat of the season I'm a little bit worried that they're not going to get there. And I think if they finish the whole season without building these characters out a little bit more, I think it'll leave something a little bit missing for me. But who's to say that this is the only season of Bad Batch? So maybe there will be the next season where Hunt, not Hunter, um, Echo, maybe not Echo either, Tech or 
Wrecker go through their own journey, right? Because we've yeah. seen Echo go through a journey. We've seen this is this season is clearly Hunter's journey. Yeah, and sure. I wonder if maybe subsequent seasons will revolve around another character really taking another step. So maybe it's just about the next season, but at some point in the development of the show, I think that's something that they have to reconcile with. The funny thing is that in these episodes, although they're still like one note characters, Wrecker and Tech kind of are starting to winning me over. That's so funny. I'm beginning my frustration with them and then you're <laughs> easing up. I like it. Yeah. It's funny how that works sometimes. But let me get, let me like say this straight. Like I'm not disappointed. I still really enjoy the show. It's really fun to watch. It's, exciting and i think it gets more exciting because we have episode that leads to an episode that leads to an episode and we're seeing interesting stuff for sure but you know as we've said many times even if you love something you should criticize it oh yeah so we both agreed that it would merit like it would have merits for narrative purposes if one of the members of the bad batch died and so i'm just waiting for somebody to get killed and this in this arc there were two distinct possibilities or like even three like either Rekka or omega actually or hunter and that was just really interesting it's like I, w- I was always waiting and just because i had it in the back of my mind like somebody should die at some point i think we've gotten so close to hunter and omega in that I think they won't kill either of them unless maybe it's the penultimate or last episode because those two are the heartbeat of this show at this point and their relationship growing is what makes this show move forward to a certain extent, emotionally speaking. I mean, maybe if it's a climactic moment at the end, I would be very surprised if they did it earlier on. But I think that the point of removing, like killing one of the Bad Batch members was really about removing a Bad Batch member from the story and making an obstacle for them that was actually one that an audience can connect with. And I think effectively what they did with that is Crosshair. Crosshair, removing Crosshair and putting him on the Empire's side is effectively killing one of the Bad Batch members without actually killing him. And I wonder how that arc is going to end and if they'll actually end up having to kill Crosshair and dealing with the consequences of that or are they able to save him. So I think... They've accomplished that, and that's the beauty of the the way that they chose to do this. And so, yeah, it's, it's very fascinating. So, I think it's a really good question about how is this really going to develop? Because I don't think that the Bad Batch can stay intact the way it was at the beginning of the show till now. One thing that I'd like to add uh, right now is I'd like to talk about the villains of the show, and I think they're mm-hmm. done so well, and there are different layers of villains and different characters that embody aspects of villainry that I think are fascinating. Obviously, you have the Empire and Crosshair and his augmented inhibitor chip and all of his battalion or whatever. Then you have the Kaminoans, clearly. You have the... I forget the name of the Prime Minister, but you have the Prime Minister hiring Cad Bane, and you have Cad Bane's just like you know, we all know Cad Bane at this point. This the walking Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, thank you. The walking Clint Eastwood stereotype essentially. And you have Fennec Shand as well, and you have Nala Say who hired her, and you have this really interesting amalgam of so many different 
characters on the villain side, which is fascinating because so many times throughout television and movies, especially big, bigger budget stuff, and often specifically things geared towards children, have a villain problem where the villains aren't robust enough, deep enough, com- complicated enough to really warrant the other side of the story because you always need a yin and a yang and when the yang isn't as developed as the yin then that's where you have a problem and i think this show is really doing a good job in developing its villains and i really enjoy them honestly yeah and with cad bane specifically so when when he showed up i was like literally like yelling out loud and pumping my fist in the air but once i had calmed down a little bit i my immediate thought was oh, he's going to be a great antagonist or opponent for the Bad Batch. It's a great addition. It really is. And the moment he shoots Hunter, spoiler alert, I yeah. feel like as uh, for a second thought Hunter was dead. Right? And it was like, holy shit, they did that. Yeah, that's, what, then, that's what I meant earlier. Like, could have been Hunter. Yeah, it could have been, honestly. And that was really surprising. But uh, it, so good. So well done. on. Mm. Uh, that's all I can make. All I can make is my I love it sound. And that's just, ah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all very familiar with it by now, Rashad. <laughs> uh, yes. So, should we get into the episodes themselves? Or do you want to ruin my transition this time? No. I mean, did you have a transition? No, that was it. <laughs> Great. Great transition. <laughs> my transitions are seamless. Yeah, sure. Because that's I don't, because I'm nice and I don't ruin anything. Thank except, you so like, much, Chris. Yeah, you're welcome. One of us has to be, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when the episode started, I was like, Corellia, Corellia, where have I heard that name? And I'm like, I had to press pause and like, I, I was pondering that for like a minute. And I was like, oh, it's Han Solo's planet. Yep. But yeah, so seeing Corellia here, it's it, it's felt like a different planet in a way, but Obviously, that could just be live action versus animated, or mm. it could have been because we're seeing it at a different timeline. So, so speaking of Corellia, on episode six, decommissioned, it starts where Omega is learning how to shoot the bow that she picked up from the Zigerians in Sid's bar, and they eventually go to Corellia looking for the head of a tactical droid that stores information about how to defeat clones based on the clone army, based on the clone wars. They eventually, in trying to steal the tactical droid's head, run into the Martez sisters, our favorite Star Wars characters. And they, you know, in the journey of escaping the police there, they find their way out and they also become friends and allies by the end. Of course they do, and the Bad Batch give the head the downloaded information of the tactical droids' heads to the Martez sisters, who then go out into space and contact a mysterious contact who tells them the story. And if I had to wait a week after episode six, I would have been like, who the fuck? What is happening right now? And I would have assumed Rex, but I'm glad that we didn't have to wait a week between episode six and seven to just get that confirmation. But I guess that was episode six, right? Yeah, that sounds all right. Uh, yeah, I I had thought that may could have been Saw even or Ahsoka, 
but yeah, just maybe Ahsoka it's... would have been my second guest, honestly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, my first was Ahsoka as well. And then obviously, like if it's not her, then Rex makes a lot of sense, especially because it is a it's a clone show. Yeah, honestly, like there's no way Ahsoka doesn't show up in the show, right? Like I mean now I Rex so. and the Martez sisters, like Ahsoka has to show up in some way. Maybe at least maybe it's at the very end as a stinger. Maybe it's like just like in a planning thing or maybe they just meet her maybe i don't know if she's gonna be like lightsaber wielding and stuff but i'd be very surprised if she doesn't show up at least a little bit maybe she's going to be the deus ex machina in the finale or something when they reunite with rex and you know what i'd be fine with that but i don't really have that much to say about this episode like i think i really like the um like the setting of it with the graveyard basically yeah that's cool i honestly. i like the visuals of that all the uh, like every time but i have to say like the the bad batch is not really quick on the uptake they saw some they know about the inhibitor chips they know something you know happened with the crosshair and they're not really concerned about it when wrecker like wrecker has his headaches all the time and I don't know, like, they could have been a little bit more suspicious. They're kind of blindsided here. Where, like, he hits his head again, and I immediately just thought, like, oh, no, this is going to this is going to be the thing that pushes him over the edge. And I think it's in this episode where he starts to say the phrase, good soldiers follow orders, right? Yeah, that's when he's, like, almo- like almost unconscious on the, on the ground, or on the platform, rather. Yeah, it's interesting. When I saw that, I was like, oh, they're going to do this soon. Because yeah. in the last batch of episodes, I thought it would be maybe they'd wait till the end of the season. Something would be like that. But as soon as he hit his head again and then he did it, I'm like, oh, this is going to be really fast. They're going to get there. And I'm kind of glad they got it out of the way, honestly, because now really we don't know what's going to happen. But it's an interesting um, position to be in, really. Yeah, it opens it opens it up to many possibilities for sure. And I was so mad seeing the Martez sisters. Like, <laughs> what the hell are they doing there? Honestly, like, I know their whole arc was just like, we're gonna do our thing and not get involved, and then they immediately turn around and get involved. Like, what does it mean to them? Like, they don't care about the Empire versus the Republic. Like, I don't understand why their characters are there, honestly. And I mean, obviously, I'm predisposed to not like them because I didn't like them that much in episode season seven. But I just like also from a narrative perspective, why are they around? It makes no sense to me. My worst nightmare is that they're actually a fan favorite and that eventually they're going to get their own show. Who, who, who likes them? I don't know, man. But why are they here? Like, what? Like, like what other reason is there f- for them to be there? I guess maybe to just to notify Rex. Yeah, I think they're supposed to be the Rex Ahsoka connection, but they didn't want to pull the trigger with them uh, this early, so they were just like, "Let's put people that we know who knows Ahsoka." Let's hope right? it's that because if yeah. there's going to be a Martez sisters show, I'm not going to be watching that. But also, like. The Martez sisters, how could they fight off the Bad Batch even for a second? These are super clones. Like, <laughs> right. I would have, it would have made more sense to me if there were Mandalorians or whatever there. 
and it was like Mandalorians fighting the Bad Batch for a second because that makes more sense because Mandalorians are like super soldiers kind of and it's like okay but the these are just like like um, scavengers basically and they have no skill what up whatsoever and they're able to like avoid being killed by all these droids and then also by the bad batch it's so weird honestly i feel like the only i don't think they kind of like held their own against the bad batch it was just the circumstances of all the police droids being there that kind of saved their asses yeah i think maybe even before though like there was like a second there where they were just like jousting or whatever but like if you're a skilled fighter and you're going up against a rookie or a novice like they throw one punch and you can like grab and rip their arm off basically I don't know. I felt it. I felt it to be a little bit odd. I guess because screen because screenplay. Yeah, that's probably why. Because then that ha- needed to happen in a way. But again, as I said, just put like Bo-Katan and someone else there yep, instead. For sure. If you don't want to like pull the Ahsoka trigger yet. Hmm. The one good thing about it was Trace's idea to reactivate the droids via the tactical droid and giving them the order to attack the police droids and then as an effect of that one of the droids saying oh that's weird but orders are orders which which is just i always like this juxtaposing kind of of droids and clones especially the ones with the inhibitor chip working honestly that was really good the the way that they said orders are orders and how that mirrors good soldiers follow orders yeah. is a really nice back and forth and shows how after the inhibitor chips are activated the clones really have lost their humanity yeah for sure well done well done by them and i think that was a good sequence as well so kudos to them for doing that and it's always fun to get a little bit of battle droids again i know that they're a little eye rolly sometimes but sometimes they're just great and it's nice to see them i don't really have anything more to say about this episode to be honest yeah, one other like little nitpicky thing that I have is that like why couldn't Tech have just told them to wait one second while he copies the downloaded information into another drive? Like <laughs> Yeah. Problem solved if you just do that. Come on, guy. It's not that big of a deal. Like then you can just give the information to Sid and then you're good. Again, because they have to have tension between Sid and the Bad Batch. They have to. <laughs> yeah. Again, from a narrative it's because uh, because they need to be in a pickle. They need to pay off debt, and that's why. I get but, it. I of get course, it. But in the situation, that's what you would be doing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, whatever. I think it's very interesting because I've been thinking about why I like I criticize some things and let other things slide. And I think fundamentally is that I think to myself, if I were in this position, would I do anything differently? And if the answer is yes, then... Ah, there's some critique there because if there's a logical way out of the situation, then you should just take the logical way. And if you don't, then I might have a problem. And if sometimes, like, if I think to myself, oh, is there anything I would do differently? And I say no, then I'm just like, yes, this must have been really good. And, like, when you find yourself in the protagonist's shoes and you're thinking to yourself, there is the circumstances or the the pickle that they're in is so well crafted that you can't find another way out that's when you have the best things the best content and you know obviously this isn't oscar worthy stuff that we're talking about but 
even in these kinds of things, I like to think about it that way. And maybe that makes me critical overly sometimes. Maybe it makes me a little blinded or maybe it makes, I think, too highly of myself in some ways. But (laughs) uh, I think it's a really interesting way that I look at film and movies in general. Yeah. Well, cool. (laughs) Good for you on being so like conscious of that, I guess. Good retort. I love it. Yeah, I don't know, man. We have episode seven that we're coming up on right now, right? Yeah. The episode starts in Sid's bar where we learn that the battle, the battle batch, the bad batch are indebted to Sid for a lot of money for some reason. And Sid lists off a bunch of random transactions that they forgot to pay or haven't paid yet. And in the bar waiting for them is our best friend, Rex. Yeah. He ask them if they've removed their inhibitor chips and surprise, surprise, they haven't. They really haven't made a big deal about it. And Wrecker, of course, has a headache again. <laughs> Just a timely headache, honestly. And they eventually go to Bracca to a starship graveyard in which they access a medical bay on an old Star Destroyer. And right before they're going into do the, the inhibitor chip extraction, Wrecker turns on them and his inhibitor chip activates and he goes on a rampage, basically beating up everybody. And right before, in the climactic moment, right before he tries to kind of basically kill Omega, Rex steps in and stuns him. They eventually remove his chip, and the surgery is fine, and everyone else's chips are removed. And Rex leaves, and interestingly, talking to someone, his contact, as he goes away. Who could that be? We don't know, but... And right, right, I think at the end of this episode, we realized that they have actually been um, spotted by the local scavengers and cliffhanger for episode eight. Yeah, that was a really good episode. I really enjoyed that one. By far, I think it's the best one of this. Uh, oh, oh, never it's mind. difficult this, because yeah. we have great things coming. But Yeah, I think it's definitely a level up. I think seven, yeah. eight and nine are level up over six, honestly. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, the whole thing being in depth, that's just like a classic thing that happens every time. It's so boring, but I did like the twist of like this thing that you're charging us. What is that? Does that mean cut to Wrecker and Omega just eating, I don't know, space popcorn or whatever. It is a space popcorn. Let's be honest. And that is, uh, that is just like, that was just like hilarious that they got billed for it like 23 times. (laughs) <laughs> because that's obviously record doesn't have any money to pay the vendor for for it so he just puts it on their tab that's just fucking hilarious yeah it's great honestly i like their relationship omega and record are cute and it makes that last scene really heartbreaking i thought it wasn't that likely that record was going to kill omega but i wasn't sure the other way around that it would have been quite a thing if omega had oh, shot him oh i see i see it's a good point, honestly. Oh, that would have been so sad. But I think it's like it's incredible that Omega, at her age, has a recognition that it is not Wrecker's fault, and yeah. she's able to discern the fact that it is basically because of his inhibitor chip. She's so smart. Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, it doesn't matter like whether he's responsible for it if he's about to kill you. No, or... no, no, I know that. But I, I'm talking about like in the way that she doesn't put blame onto him. Yeah. Sure. As soon as they tell Rex that they ha- still have their inhibitor chips, he reaches for his gun. And just like immediately the tension is there. 
so well done, honestly, and very thoughtful by the writers of this episode. And it, it, I don't know, it was really interesting as well for like Omega to immediately discern that Rex is a first gen. Her abilities are so interesting. Yeah, what are her abilities in the end? It's know, really right? fascinating. She can really like re. I mean, maybe it's because she was the Kaminoans like trainee or whatever. She just knows everything about all the clones, essentially. Yeah, that that might be a reason. Yeah, maybe. And it's cool actually to get confirmation that Rex is a first gen. Yeah, that's really impressive, honestly, and it just goes to show how awesome he is. Yeah. Oh yeah, something that I said in f- about the uh, the previous episode actually. We we only get to the uh, graveyard, the actual graveyard in this episode. So oopsie. It is great though, <laughs> visually. I really enjoy that. I I don't know what it is, but just like giant machines that aren't in use anymore. We've obviously we've seen that in The Force Awakens 2, for example, and it's just or movie that must not be named, but it's just so I don't know. It's so impressive in a way. Yeah, it is really nice. I think it's a different scale because we often always see these Star Destroyers up in space and it's hard to see them relative to our own perspectives. But when we see them crashed on the, not the Earth, but the surface of a planet, it redefines how big and galactic these conquests are because they're just so humongous. And if we see in episode seven of the films, that's often the case, right? Where Ray is just like exploring this really huge battleship that has crash landed. And I, I just love it. I love the change in perspective that makes it so exciting. And then also like the wonder of the machinery. How could someone make something so big? It's really mm. impressive. Did did the thing in the watch or the tentacle thing uh, also give you very like Lord of the Rings vibes? It's like the Kraken monster in Moria or in front of Moria. Oh, I see what you're doing. I I thought more about um like a water sarlacc. That's how I yeah. That, it. That's what it is basically. But just the way it's introduced, it's like okay, there's something in the water, sort of thing. Like you just see like something goes into the water and makes ripples, and then okay, there's something in the water, and then eventually it comes out, and it is basically the same thing. It is a water sarlacc, basically, but it also looks like the uh, the uh, thing from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, fair enough. Oh yeah, that's a good point. I was trying to think. There's always like. Every story has underwater monsters. I feel like it's just so Yeah, but have you seen Deep Sea Fishman? They're fucking terrifying. Well, yeah, okay. I guess it's just reality then. (laughs) Uh, And so, yeah, we have the... uh, Obviously, they look around and they have fun with... Oh, it's so much like munition and it's like Wrecker Paradise, basically. The proton bombs, he's he's, like kissing and all of that. That was pretty funny. But then... Of course, something something happens. And just the music as the inhibitor chip goes into full effect on records was so powerful. Yeah, it's done so well, honestly. And then just like the ensuing like fights and Omega shoots him and runs away and he chases her. But like eventually, as I've alluded to earlier, like she can't pull the trigger 
and Riker is like quote unquote about to kill her and it was just like so powerful and especially because they previewed the closeness of the relationship in that same episode with the popcorn exactly that's exactly what they would do if like one of them would kill the other it's so cute yeah so well yeah and then obviously like when when they've done the surgery and omega refuses to leave his side that's obviously like really really adorable yeah she's so good i love omega she might be my favorite on-screen child i've ever seen because she has like the child like she is very like childlike but only like the things that i like and not the annoying parts yeah yeah so (laughs) that's why that's a very interesting thing. Would you consider also live action stuff or just animated child on screen? I mean, animated, def- she definitely is number one there. Live action, I'm hard pressed to think. Maybe it's just like as soon as I've watched something that involved the child, I just like suppress the the, the memory of it. Fair enough. Um, so I can't really think off the top of my head like what other like children and movies I've seen. I wonder if they're ever going to do a time jump in this show. Oh, that'd be great. Because I want to see, maybe it'll be season one to season two, but I'd like to see Omega get older. And also, like, what happens with her? Where is she in, like, all the subsequent content that happens, like, in the Rebellion and stuff? I would really love for her to meet Boba at some point. Oh, interesting. Because they're the, oh, oh, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. And there is a there is both an Ahsoka and a Boba Shell coming out, so. And then Omega will go. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That'd be interesting, right? It's especially because there would be a link between them, which is Fennec Shand. Oh, true. Oh, interesting. And also, Boba is a bounty to... hunter. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if Boba comes after her at some point. I don't think Boba would take work from the Kaminoans, though. No, I don't think so. <laughs> That'd yeah. be weird. I feel like maybe that would be dangerous for him too. Yeah, because they would want him. They'd just try to yeah, capture him instead. Because exactly. they just need one of them, honestly. Yeah, I wonder if they also have a bounty on him. Like, that'd be pretty funny. Like a bounty hunter who has a bounty on him. Oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> and that that would be also really heartbreaking because that would be like another one of these instances where somebody has just established like a base and like people he trusts and then he is like in that sort of situation and of course you would become like super paranoid because you don't know are people going to betray you or not that's a good content for a tv show honestly it's out there defiloni if you want it call me up you can reach us (laughs) hello at (laughs) (laughs) syrianyuk.com Or you can just have it for free. I don't care. No, I'm going to cut that. (laughs) One day someone will email us. One day. Yeah. Yeah. Cease and desist order, maybe, but not an (laughs) offer for a screenwriting gig. (laughs) Text sober. Oh, you made it after Reco woke up. I don't know why, but that cracked me up. (laughs) I don't really like tech that much. I think. To be honest with you. Yeah, neither do I, but I think that's his whole point. Yeah. Honestly. But it's it's just like it's just like Wrecker, like the a, like a super stereotype of like a specific kind of character. And I just 
so boring. It, just because it's Star Wars doesn't make that more interesting, to be honest with you. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about with the depth. I want more from these characters, honestly. For sure. And at least you have, like, with Rekka, you have the bond he has with Omega. But there's just nothing with Tech. That's a good point. Tech has no bond with anyone. He doesn't care about anyone. No, no. one cares about him, kind of. Yeah, exactly. He's like a like an asset in a way. Unlike he, like the person who is mo- most like him, Echo, he is like increasingly hostile towards in a way, or like standoffish at least. Yeah, and I, like and um, a little bit like belittling him in the I forget the episode where they're on the moon, going to the moon, yeah. right? He's just like they just have this bickering back and forth, and Tech just like thinks he's so much. She thinks he is hot shit. Yeah, but not. he is that he is like that to everyone except Hunter, basically, because he always tells like to Rekka too, and like he he's said at least twice now that he's kind of like, you know, that he's he thinks he's kind of a genius. Yeah, which might be true, like in the terms of like his like, you know, his superpowers, his brain sort of thing, but it's just like yeah, but obviously like social capabilities were not hardwired into that, I guess. Clearly not. No. And that's just so annoying because it's another stereotype of like the nerd per like the the like I don't know, like programmer nerd person who is like socially incapable and just like this inf- this type of stuff infuriates me, especially because it's Star Wars and like half the fan base is like that, I guess. Oh yeah, for sure. It's too bad honestly, but maybe we'll get more of it, more development for him in depth at some point. Yeah. The scene after Rekka has woken up and he wants to apologize to Amiga. He wants to put his hand on her shoulder, but he pulls away. Oh, that was so heart wrenching, man. It's so beautiful. Ugh. And so subtle as well. That's like, I don't know. I feel like with these types of shows, I'm always surprised as how, to how like subtle they can be. Yeah, it's odd because sometimes they're super subtle and other times they beat you over the head with things. So it's really confusing sometimes. They should find a healthy, like, middle. Um, No, I like the subtlety. Just, like, tone down. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, and, like, what do you think about Hunter's decision to not join Rex? Honestly, I don't understand it. Yep, same. It's like narratively, of course, like it makes sense, but it's just like it doesn't make any sense. And I love that Echo calls him on that in the next episode. Yeah, it really is confusing. And I think they'll reunite clearly and become part of maybe the nascent rebellion. I assume it's the nascent rebellion. It's kind of cool that like Rex is involved in forming the rebellion. Like if this is what's happening. I mean, he if you think about it, he trained Saw's... uh, Oh, Troops, true. Right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, ironically, Anakin did too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but true. it's a really interesting thing, for sure. Huh. I would. I want them to be to join Rex. I think after this yeah. experience, they will. I think the only downside to that is their desire to keep Omega off the grid, and it's hard to be off the grid in a war zone. But, but at the same time, it doesn't help if you're just like like strolling around the galaxy that doesn't help you might as well go join the rebels when like she is as safe there as she is anywhere else exactly 
Like it's it's going to be way more difficult for bounty hunters to get to her. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I wonder because the only other thing is that literally pull like a a Cara Dune kind of thing and just like go on like a really remote planet and just chill and do nothing. We'll see how they justify it and what'll happen. I'm excited, really. That's all I want. I just want to know more. Ah. Soon. We will finish recording soon, and then you can jump straight into the... That's what I'll do. (laughs) Okay, so, episode eight, Reunion. In order to pay off their debt to Sid, Hunter and the team decide to gather a bunch of items and weapons and try to get as much things as they can to have a lot of value, I guess, to pay off their debt. But of course, they have been spotted by the local scavengers, and in order to hunt them down, Crosshair and the Imperials show up. They engage with multiple skirmishes and fights and go back and forth, and they are in a really cool scene, trapped in an ion engine that they eventually are able to explode and escape from. They make their way separately to their ship, but Hunter and Omega show up first. And lo and behold, Cad Bane is there waiting for them. He shoots Hunter in the chest, takes Omega, and goes off into the sunset. I really like that, first of all, just visually, the uh, like Crosshair's troops have a darker uniform. I like that. But also that it's now more than just the original three recruits. or I guess. Yeah, four. he has a whole unit, battalion. Yeah, he's it's going nice. up the ranks. It's impressive, He's making his way in the new empire. Woo! Good for him, <laughs> I guess. Um, like, like again, a great scene between Rekka and Omega with the diffusing the thermal detonator. That was uh, cute. They're like, <laughs> and just like Rekka's. I'm not going to let you uh, practice with an actual thermal detonator. I'm not crazy. I was like, yeah, sure, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was one of these lines that's obviously written for a laugh and i i realized that but i still had to laugh because it's just funny yeah you know you're being set up but you're just like whatever i don't care yeah (laughs) i enjoyed this way too much so whatever so it's here that echo questions hunter's decision not to join rex i really like that what echo says at the end is like we're soldiers what other path is there for us yeah it's so true like that is their bread and butter I wonder if at the end of the show, the Bad Batch actually splits up and Uh, Hunter goes with Omega or whatever and Wrecker and Echo and Tech go somewhere else. I wonder. I don't know. That'd be interesting. They're also going to become farmers or something. Yeah, like with Cut. They'll go live with Cut. (laughs) Exactly. Let me know if this question is uncouth. So clearly Cut um, has a partner and has had children, right? Yeah. Do they, like, in the clones, do they breed out, like sexuality or because you don't really see layers of sexuality within the clones they don't really exhibit too much sexual desire or i mean obviously there's there's no no nuance of sexuality as well Mm. Um, but it's very interesting to me and like he he obviously is fertile he has children right Oh, uh, maybe they're adopted children. Honestly, they maybe they're her children. So I'm wondering mm. about the sexuality of clones. Really, is that yeah? How, I mean, it because... would make sense from a from the communion's perspective to like basically suppress the sexual like any sexual drive 
the uh, the clones have just because that might be just like distracting from warfare i guess exactly and do you have these big like clone orgies at some point <laughs> what just like all of them like in a locker room yeah going yeah. at it yeah maybe why not yeah, it's, a, it's, it's like so interesting but you're right it makes sense to take it out but we have not seen any evidence to that you know yeah but even like uh yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously we haven't seen it because like we've seen them so far only in the Clone Wars and there is like you can't really depict much of sexuality there. I mean, you can. I mean, you can incorporate some aspects of at least love or desire or yeah. or like glances or you know, it'd be interesting. Like imagine if there were a Jedi that fell for a clone. Oh, nice. Yeah, that'd be great. Right? Was, that'd be so cool. I was just imagining like a, a gay clone couple or something. Yeah. Also, please, like, that'd be great. So, there's a lot of things that I'm just like wondering. And yeah. also, now that I had, for some reason, up until this point, I had assumed that Cut's children were biologically his, but they might all be infertile. And, you know, Cut's children yeah. are just his parents' children yeah. or just adopted or whatever. But That's I true. want, it's another interesting thing to think about. But mm. I want clarity. Do the clones have sex? <laughs> yeah. Exactly, because like just being infertile doesn't mean anything about their sexuality so exactly exactly so it's another like there's layers of it obviously what is like obviously they're do they all have the same gender identity is another thing to think about like yeah for sure and because there are also like personality differences obviously so why not like more parts on the spectrum in that way too Mm -hmm. so it's fascinating to think about and yeah I want more clarity on this and maybe we'll get into the live action shows. We will never get that. <laughs> I would be really surprised if they ever. They Filoni. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine like, like this scene in, I think, I don't know, one of the uh, last seasons where um, Anakin and Rex steal away because he wants to make the call with Padme just imagine like your thing with like uh, the Jedi and the clone like that same scenario but they're just hooking up with each other I would love that that'd be amazing. that'd be pretty great especially because it also has like the hierarchy thing of like okay if you, like this person is your superior yeah and like Ugh, what does yep. that all entail so good so, that'd be really interesting Give it to me. I want like a romantic love story, like a rom com. <laughs> a rom com, yeah. When General So and So met Clone So and So, I don't know. Exactly, it was love at first sight. Love at first blaster shoot. Oops. <laughs> but the world conspired to keep them apart. <laughs> oh god! And then the that... tragic ending, Order sixty six. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that sounds like a Hallmark movie, but not with that ending. That's a good movie. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Or or maybe like the love overrides order 60 like the inhibited chip. Oh, then, there you go. Love then... conquers all. <laughs> exactly. No, I like my first ending yeah, first. Yeah, I'm just a, such a big romantic. That's what I'm known for. <laughs> Not cynical at all. I mean, Chris, you love love, right? Sure. Um, I have no idea where we are. Are we still <laughs> talking about episode 8? <laughs> <laughs> that's probably my f- my favorite tangent so far and we've gone on many of them uh <laughs> um um 
I I I love the Ion Engine scene. Honestly, I thought it was so yeah. cool. Visually and too. Visually, and then when they like even the plan to just explode the hull for when they are able to like when they actually release it and start the engine and just like yeah. screw everyone up. So well done. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was really great. But also how Crosshair could predict all of the moves that the Bad Batch ma made. It makes sense because they're part of the team, right? Of course. And and it's but it's weird that like that it's weird that neither Hunter nor Tech ever considered that. Yeah, good point. That's a very good point. But then it just becomes like multi-dimensional chess. It's like, okay, is he thinking that we're doing this because we're thinking do, 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 you know? And I think they're really just acting instinctively. So it kind of makes sense that they would react that way to start, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, again, going back to the, uh, like, who who of the Bad Batch might die, you know, it would have been a huge thing if, um, if Crosshair shot Omega. Oh, man, I imagine. Yeah, that'd be pretty bad. And then the rest of the uh, season is just a revenge mis mission. Oh, that would be so cool. <laughs> It'd be a really dark turn. But I mean, cue to our previous discussion on romance, and we <laughs> see that like Rashad would obviously enjoy that. Hey, I wouldn't enjoy that. Honestly, I think it's better the way it is. Um, <laughs> or maybe if Hunter just died there, that would have been interesting too. That would have yeah. been shocking, honestly. Would have been interesting if he, if he had almost died here, kind of a fake out thing, and then actually Cad Bane kills him later in the episode. Ah, uh, yeah, that would have been cool. Uh, just so many layers, but no, mm. it's. I think it's good as is, honestly. But just briefly going back to the ion engine, when they when they apply the explosives, you can see that Omega is part of their team. Just the way they like include her in like on the like wall and everything like the way she like they handle her basically they like pull her up and everything is like almost like they've they've practiced that yeah it's really impressive it's like the how much they've changed in this whole process it's so well done and how like how more connected they've become she's no longer just a child to be protected yeah, I mean, she is, but she's also more than that. And the next episode is good ev evidence of that as well, how she can be dependent on her own to a certain extent. So we do get the uh, the appearance of Cad Bane. Chris is fist pumping and yelling out. And <laughs> then we have the showdown, Hunter versus Bane. I love that. The Western standoff. It exactly. was so nice. That could be too much, honestly. And if, if it's done irregularly or like too often but because the context was so different and it was so fast-paced the episode up until that second it really is jarring and it's really effective in how the, i think it's done i really enjoyed it what i really liked was everything that uh, like happened afterwards too when you see it, it, like basically when we see everything through hunter's helmet basically that was a really interesting stylistic choice, and I liked it so much. Yeah, amazing. What a way to end this episode. Honestly, like, basically perfect. Such a good episode. Or such yeah. a good two episodes, I think. But, okay, so episode nine, Bounty Lost. 
on the way, I'm just going to skip and do this really fast. On the way to a rendezvous with Tan Wei, Omega is able to trick Toto into escaping her prison aboard Cad Bane's ship. She eventually uses that opportunity to signal the Bad Batch to come and find her. And then, but obviously, of course, Cad Bane is able to recapture her. And upon trying to trade her to or give her to the Kaminoans, we discover that Tanwe has been killed by Fennec Shand. And twist, twist, she has taken the money and is trying to actually save Omega. Her and Cad Bane fight over Omega. They go back and forth and kind of just like winning and losing, etc., etc. And eventually the Bad Batch do show up, pick Omega up, and whisk her off to safety. And Cad Bane is unable to pursue because his engines have been sabotaged. Fennec Shand, at the end of the episode, offers her services to continue to look for the for Omega, but Nala Nala say um request doesn't take her up on her request and the episode is over so much good fighting in this episode yeah fennec versus cad so good and i i mean can we talk about toto for a second though (laughs) he steals the show he's so good honestly he is so good and but again we we have a droid with a weird like we don't know what the uh relationship is like again kind of super abusive with bane clearly abusive i mean it's just like bane's an asshole so of course he's gonna be abusive to droids he doesn't care about them yeah yeah i mean it would have been an interesting plot twist if he did care about like the one like person he cares about is his droid well i mean he's already killed another toto unit in a previous episode right so he we clearly doesn't give a fuck but maybe that would have been a nice touch, but alas, it is not in the stars for our d- good dear friend Toto. No, no. But I loved how he was like like carrying around the leg and like pointing Aww. to to Amiga with it, and that was all like both heartbreaking and funny. Yeah, it's a really nice relationship, honestly. Mm. And we get like the uh, the Camino uh, in, in fighting here too. With like the prime minister doing one thing while the uh, while Nala Singh is doing another thing. Yeah, it's really well done. Now I really wonder what her motivation is or what she's doing there, or like mm. why does she want to keep Omega out of their hands? Maybe she just loves Omega, honestly. Yeah. But it's really interesting to think because I had thought previously that the Kaminoans were of the same mind, but clearly that's not the case. No, not at all. And yeah, it might just be because she has a bond with Amiga since she was the one probably who trained her for the last few years. But yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because she is kind of the, the only Kaminoan we see who doesn't just treat the clones as property or at least the specific clone. I think it's the specific clone because I think she was quite adamant when it yep. came to the fives situation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So it's here that we learn that Omega is a pure copy of Django, like Boba is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that that doesn't really explain anything it, except for why she's valuable for the Kaminoans, but that doesn't explain like why she is that capable. Yeah, I don't know what's up there, honestly. But I guess we'll find out. 
yeah omega plays mind tricks with uh, toto that's that's pretty fun and yeah i don't know it's just like a lot of great fighting scenes a lot of great standoffs like fennec and i love when fennec said like yeah me and omega go way back <laughs> that was like <laughs> a really nice touch i really like fennec honestly she's yeah. so cool i was really i found cool. myself rooting for her against cad bane i never thought i'd say that yeah because she is kind of even in the previous uh episodes where or episode in which she was she wasn't just getting her like snatching her away and running off she was like like okay like she maybe was nicer to her just to have the same result but still like she wasn't just like roughing her around or anything good point good point maybe that's why i like her yeah it was really interesting that like you know the interplay between the three of them cad bane fennec shand and uh omega yeah, you know, that, I, I was. I just thought that was int- really interesting, and the lengths the two bounty hunters go to to just like defeat each other that was pretty intense at the end. Yeah, I was really fascinated by that, honestly. Mm. But the one thing that I didn't like about it was at the very end when she gets when Omega gets into the uh, uh, I don't know escape pod or whatever, and then she just gets rescued by the uh, by the bad batch. That was really Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, I think it's at least was set up previously because she did contact them. Yeah. But still, I see what you mean. That was a little weird. But apart from that, I liked the episode. But it's just like so, act. I don't know, like Toto is great. Everybody's great. Uh, every scene is like was very enjoyable. The visuals were great with the fog and the like yellowy golden shine of the planet. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have do you have anything more? To I say? really don't. For some reason, this right? episode just because it's just like a fun action sequence and it doesn't have much consequence to the plot. I guess we find out information about Omega and we learn about what Fennec's role is more and the Kaminia ones a little bit, but I don't have that much to say. Yeah. That's just how it goes sometimes. Sometimes an episode is just solid and there's like especially like action like set pieces is like okay like they do amazing stuff but we don't need to analyze their fighting styles or whatever you know yeah yeah and it's just it's well choreographed yeah really solid four episodes and i'm looking forward to the next four i'm so excited so on the next episode we will be watching and reviewing episodes 10 through 13 our penultimate episode (laughs) <laughs> for the bad batch let's be yes. clear they yes. will be way more serially hooked and uh star wars in the future so rashad if people want to help out the podcast how do they do it oh my god they should do so many things but the first thing that they should do is give us a review or a rating on apple podcasts or spotify i think we've deserved five stars but you know that's up to you you can give us any number of stars that you'd like preferably five if you want to really shit on us you can also do that too but please give us five stars and like if you really want to shit on us just write us an email it's fine yeah i know if you hate us personally and you hate the things that we say i mean we love tough criticism please give it to us and how can the audience give it to us (laughs) they can find all of our contact information twitter email everything on our website seriallyhooked.com they can just reach out if they want to suggest future topics for things that we can talk about if they want to give us 
you know, reviews that we should really engage with. I think it's really interesting. So um, please, like we're, we're really looking forward to hearing from you and we're trying to make this better. And the only way for us to make it better is to get feedback from listeners. So please reach out, give us your thoughts, and hopefully we'll make this the best show we can. Chris, Mary fuck kill. Okay. Rafa Trace Ahsoka. <laughs> uh I mean obviously like Mary Ahsoka. I mean clearly. I mean obviously. <laughs> uh huh. Trace and Rafa. You know what? Fuck uh fuck Rafa and kill Trace. Nice. Some, sometimes one. it's it's more interesting to go with a more of a bad person. Yeah, I was actually I had the same answer. I was gonna say the same. <laughs> I think it's a pretty clear Mary Ahsoka, fuck Rafa, kill Trace. Sorry, Trace. Yeah. Trace just doesn't seem interesting in bed. No. She's a really nice person. Like she she if it wasn't up against Ahsoka, I'd marry marry her for sure. But yeah, well, yeah, that's not like really nobody uh, beats Ahsoka. Exactly. <laughs> The one good thing, like the one thing that I liked was Trace's idea about reactivating the drone, uh, the clones, uh, no, the droids, the drones, Jesus Christ. Um, uh, what was it called again? Battle Scars, I think. Battle Scars. Thank you so much. The movie, not the movie. Wow. The episode. <laughs> We're started. on a really good place right now. Oh, God. Uh, we're good. Oh, hello, spider. Sorry, there's a spider in my room looking at me. Oh, I thought that was just like your friend called Spider. No, no, no. That'd be funny. <laughs> Should I nickname you Spider or Ant? What? I don't know. You're very tall. So that's why I was thinking the smallest thing I could think of. Oh, I see. <laughs> anyway. 